Good morning. Just to say, Heather's uh, head on, headed off for, to help in children's ministry. It's not that she doesn't like my preaching. <laughs> well, that's her excuse anyway. <laughs> Can I just uh, apologize in advance? I had this delicious uh, dish yesterday. It was um, chips covered in what I thought was um, kind of a bit of cream and cheese, and uh, it just tasted absolutely fantastic. But I think they must have thrown in about 10 tons of garlic, because I feel garlic is oozing from me. So I apologize uh, if I'm talking to you and that huff reaches you. Um, If you don't smell it, can I suggest you do a lateral flow test? You might need to. (laughs) But I I do apologize. It feels feels oozing out. You know that moment when it's oozing out of your skin? Um, And I'm trying to... My daughter tells me to stop talking. Right, I'll stop talking. Okay, but you get the sense of it. So enormous apologies if you've had a whiff already. Anyway, we've got this passage in Luke chapter 1. And it's the wonderful passage called the Magnificat, Mary's song, Luke 1, verse 46. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things. And the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. And Mary remained with her, that's Elizabeth, for about three months and returned to her house. That is one of the most long-standing worship songs that have ever been written. I want us to spend time thinking about it, but just put a few things in context. And uh, as I've been thinking about this, it's fascinating the way, when we look at this passage, how so much of it uh, speaks to us of life today. You know, one of the fascinating things uh, that we have in society and culture is our interaction with each other and the way we love to make comparisons. I don't like making comparisons. I think you probably do, just like I do. And it's whether we compare ourselves with those in the public eye, or whether it's friends, or whether it's neighbors, whether it's the clothes we we eat, um, whether it's how much garlic we've had on a Saturday night, whether it's the holidays, the handbags, I'm just talking about the men here. (laughs) There is a natural inclination for us to compare the similarities and note the differences. Basically, compare who we are, what we have with those around us. And we do it as much in church as anywhere else. Well, when we look at Luke's account of this foretelling of the birth of Jesus, it's an amazing passage in many ways. Not only is he the only gospel writer, 
to give us a preview to the events that lead up to the most significant birth ever. He's the only writer that gives us insight into the most significant pregnancy, that of Mary. And the fascinating thing is here, whether it's intentional or not, he does it by comparison. So I'm just going to backtrack a little bit. Prior to the passage we read, right at the beginning of the chapter, we have the, the, birth, the foretelling of the birth of John the Baptist to the godly and upright priest Zechariah. That's verses one, 5 to 25. Then we have the foretelling of the birth to uh, Mary, verses 26 to 38. And for the most part, you see the similarities. In both cases, the angel Gabriel appears with good news. Anyone like to hear good news? Yeah, we like to hear good news. In both cases, Mary and Zechariah were troubled by their appearance causing the angel to say to both of them, do not be afraid. In both cases, Mary and Zechariah were told that a baby would be born. And both of them recognized the extraordinary circumstances. Zechariah saying, I'm an old man, and my wife is well on in years. Well, there's a compliment. And Mary saying, well, how can I be? I'm a virgin. And in both cases, they needed the angel to explain what was going to happen. And yet, despite these similarities, when we look closely, there is one notable and fundamental difference between Mary and Zechariah. In the first account, Zechariah is silenced before the, uh, leading up to the birth of John the Baptist because he questions and because he doubts the angel's words. But in the second account... There's no such action of the angel. If anything, Mary's voice is released in this wonderful song of praise. And the reason seems to be found in verses 37 and 38. When Mary's acceptance of the word of God through the angel, she says this, For with God, nothing will be impossible. Actually, a literal translation of this is, No word from God is without power. No word from God is without power. When God speaks to us, it has power. His word has power. And then she says, let it be to me according to your word. You see, in the first instance with Zechariah, he moves from that place of like holy encounter to a position of unholy criticism and doubt when it comes to God's word that is spoken. But in the second account, Mary moves from that place of holy encounter to holy faith, holding fast to the word of God spoken to her. And I suppose the question for us is, in which direction do we move, do you and I move, when we're asked to stand firm, When God speaks his word to us, we're asked to stand firm and to trust him, even when what is before us seems impossible. In which direction do we move? You see, there's never a fence for us to sit on when God speaks. We will either be for his word or 
against it. We'll either accept it or do what this godly priest did in Zechariah, doubt it. I want to retrack a little bit. Because like, uh, like Zechariah and Mary, Mary, Mary was troubled, sorry. And I don't know about you, but I suppose particularly recently, but this last season, I suppose, there have been a number of things that have troubled me. And I don't know whether you have been troubled in, like, recently, but when you're troubled, you can't hide behind it. When something really troubles you, it, like, it, it consumes your whole being. It takes over. It affects your thoughts during the day and at night time. When we're troubled, it affects us deeply. But you see... Unlike Zechariah, Mary moves from a place of being deeply troubled, saying, how can this be? To a place of saying, let it be according to your word. I mean, as far as she was concerned, the angel was talking about an impossibility. She was a virgin. She knew her life. She knew her lifestyle. And not surprisingly, as Luke writes, she was greatly troubled. And yet as the angel speaks to her, speaks of the way that she's found favor with God, speaks of the way that God has chosen her and given her birth to give birth to the Son of the Most High, we see her move from the realm of impossibility to the realm of possibility. She then says, well, how can this be? And then the angel explains further. Namely, the Holy Spirit will come upon her. The power of the Most High will overshadow her. For nothing is impossible with God. And then she makes this extraordinary statement. Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the point is acceptance and obedience. It's Mary saying, I am the Lord's servant. And as hard as it is for me to hear this, nothing is impossible with God. May it be just as you have said. See, what we have here is the powerful dynamic of faith. Mary moves from how can it be to let it be. And I just want to think about this for a moment. Because the place of how can this be is not wrong. You know, when the storm seems to be raging around us, when things come against us that trouble us, when we're facing, whether it's health issues or personal issues or, or mental issues or financial issues or whatever it is, when these things come against us and God speaks into this situation, actually it's fair to say, God, how is this going to work out? How are you going to do it? How are we going to come through these things? As you have said, And you look at the Psalms and David, he he says this kind of thing again and again. But there's an important thing to note here. Once we've asked the question how, we can't stay in the place of how. Once we have said, God, how is this going to work out? How are you going to bring an answer to this? We will move in one of two directions. We can't stay and remain with the question. 
will either move in the direction of Zechariah and actually you know, turn to that place of doubt and when doubt seeps in, then criticism seeps in and we question God's word to us. Or we will move to that position of faith and say, let it be according to your word. And the power of this movement, faith, provides both the protection of our heart, even in the midst of all the things that are coming against us, but also the guarantee of the promise. As we move to that place of faith, saying, yes, I will believe, not only does God protect our hearts, but also step by step, we're walking in the guarantee of the promise. God is faithful, and with him, nothing is impossible. The dynamic of faith. But you know there's another side, if you like the other side of the coin, with this dynamic of faith that we see in Mary. And that's the dynamic of praise. Her willingness to praise God, no matter what. Her willingness to raise that hallelujah in the midst of the storm, even though she could not see at the time a way through it. You see, a key to faith is praising God. And as we praise God, faith is released. The two of them go together. It's like a a circle, a completeness. A key to faith, a key to trusting God is praising Him. And praising Him and praising Him. And as we praise Him, we see the answer to those things that we're holding on to come into being. You know, Angel Gabriel's first word, first command to Mary is rejoice. Rejoice. Then he basically gives her news that will potentially end her engagement and isolate her from her own community. Just imagine that. Rejoice. (laughs) Mary is told to rejoice. Praise God. But this is what she does. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. I know it's hard, but it's so important for us to be people of praise. Even in the midst of all that we're facing, you know, the grief that we feel in our heart today, the sadness, the worry, the concern that we have for loved ones. You know, there's so much going on in our world, in our lives. And yet it's so important to praise God. You see, the power of praise turns hopelessness on its head. And we can start to hope again. The power of praise turns the kind of the desperation and despair into joy. And it's not that we're suddenly happy, but something rises up within us. I often describe joy as like a Mars bar. Where, um, and I've I've done this uh, analogy before, you know, you take a Mars bar, and I've done it, and I've dropped it on the floor, and I've stumped on it, smashed it up, then opened it up, and the outside is all crumbly, 
but the chewy bit remains the same. <laughs> Nothing happens to the caramel in the middle. See, joy is something that is deep within us that can rise up even when we're feeling such sadness and pain. Praise turns despair into joy. Praise turns defeat when we think everything is lost into victory. Praise turns darkness into light. The power of praise turns it upside down. It doesn't make sense. But as we praise God in the midst of it all, His promises are released. And we can have assurance and confidence and faith in Him. The first word spoken to Mary is rejoice. Rejoice. But you know the second word, the second command he gives Mary, this young girl whose life is turned upside down. He says, do not be afraid. (laughs) Do not be afraid. I'm sure he didn't say it like that. And then he gives her more news that will potentially cause scandal in her community and cause her to be abandoned with her becoming the mother of the Son of the Most High. And the miraculous that's going to take place when the Holy Spirit comes upon her. And you know the remarkable thing, again in this young lady, in the face of scandal, Mary who's told to not be afraid, chooses to trust. In the face of fear, she stands firm. As the song goes, for he who is mighty has done great things for me. Holy is his name. He has exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. Holy is his name. See, when is our faith really put to the test? Is it when everything is rosy and everything is going well? Life is good. We're enjoying it. No, of course not. Our faith is really put to the test. When it's like the carpet, the rug is pulled under our feet. And it feels like we're crumbling. And everything around us is falling and failing. It's put to the test when we face these struggles, when temptations challenge us, when pains and sufferings encamp around us, when we're hurting inside. And there's so much of kind of life and faith where we want to let go. And yet that seed of faith that is growing up within us, that enables us to hold on no matter what, enables us to praise and to worship. I mean, this is not a criticism, but Zechariah should have known better. And in our lives, as we look at our own life and witness, there are probably times when we know we should have known better as well. But what Mary shows us is that a life where, in the world's eyes, she had absolutely nothing, living in poverty, She was willing to trust the impossible despite the cost to her life. And she was able to respond in praise.
I know so many of us have been and are tested at the moment. I know it seems as if so much of what we accepted was, has been kind of stripped away from us. I mean, not least the way we travel or all the restrictions there and it's coming and going and it's, we're allowed to and suddenly we're not allowed to and all of these things. I know that when you look at what's going on in Europe and, and uh, different places, you know, how uh, rules and regulations, if you're not vaccinated, you're not allowed in certain places. And again, I'm not making a judgment about governments. It's a reality of what's going on at the moment. And maybe we feel blessed being here in Jersey. Uh, maybe we don't. But, you know, we're facing what we're facing altogether. And in the midst of it, there is, of course, the question, God, what is going on in your world? You know, where are you in the midst of all of these things? How are your plans and purposes that we see in Scripture, how are they to be fulfilled in and through us? And yet what we see in this passage, in the midst of some, a situation involving one person, effectively, an unknown by society standards, but someone who so, was so known by God, what we see in this example, and this is where it should really give us hope, both collectively and also individually, is the way that God draws near to this one person, Mary. And the way that in Scripture we see the truth, and there are a number of things that come out. Number one, we worship a God who loves to surprise us with his presence, probably when we least expect it. And I want to encourage each one of us, whatever is going on, you know, make space for him to come and meet you wherever you're at. God loves to surprise us. If you kind of wake up in the middle of the night and there's an angel before you, listen to what they say. Because God has a word for you. I sense these things are happening and will continue to happen. Or you're walking along and then suddenly you hear in your voice, like a, a voice, a, a word, where God is speaking to you. Stop, pause. Take a moment to receive that word and accept it in your heart. Actually, it happened to me last night. You know, just heard some news and just really troubled by stuff that was going on. I just, it was nighttime, it was, it was cold outside. I just kind of went outside and I was just like, you know, I, I love to, just to look up at the stars and, uh, you yeah, know, and just have space. And God said a simple word to me. And it's actually something that he's spoken some time ago. And I was just like, okay, I receive that. Thank you. I know it was him because I wasn't thinking that. And you see, when we space, make uh, time and space for him, we get to know his voice as well. It's so much clearer than the noise and the clutter around us. We worship a God who loves to surprise us with his presence. And if he would do that for someone like Mary, he would do that for you. And he would do that for me. Because what Mary shows us is that every single person on this planet is special to our loving Father. We worship a God who loves to come to us and reveal his word. But you know the other thing is we worship a God who loves to use us in his plan of salvation. 
I mean, the uniqueness of that role that Mary fulfilled, of course, can never be replicated. And, you know, in, in many ways, when we get to heaven, I'd love to have a conversation with her because, you know, serving Jesus is costly. The cost that it must have been to her as she treasured these things in her heart, as she saw the Savior grow up as a boy, knowing that at some point that calling on his life would take him away from her. A sword would pierce the heart. She knew the cost and the sacrifice and she carried it all those years. Watching, following, seeing, grieving, rejoicing, again releasing as Jesus returned to heaven. The cost. And yet God loves to use us, use you and me, in his plan of salvation. And it may be bringing one person to him to discover afresh how much they are loved by God and the plan that they have for his life. It may be how we share and do life with those that we work with and live with. God wants to use us just as he's willing, he, was, he wanted to use Mary. Where we are, where we work, what we do, the people we encounter, every single one of us. And I know some, some of us think, well, he, he'll use this person, but he won't use me. Come on, we've just got to deal with that lie once and for all. Yeah. We never know the seeds sometimes that are sown just because we've shown a bit of kindness to someone, just because we smiled and we said hello. And I'm looking around and I'm seeing a group of people where God has extraordinary plans for you. Let him use you and see the glory and the goodness that comes. But you know, we worship a God as well who loves to see that response that he saw in Mary where she said, let it be according to your word, the response of faith. And as I think back in my own journey of faith, there are times when it seems like my faith is like a mustard seed. Uh, And I remember when I was in Israel uh, at the garden tomb, there's a mustard tree and one of the tour guides, he, he got a seed and he kind of placed it on my hand. And you can barely see it. And I think, yeah, that about summed up my faith at the time. <laughs> the mustard seed. And there are other times when I felt like my faith is the tree itself. You know, rightly or wrongly. You know, we, we go through these waves. God honors faith. Full stop. And Jesus even says, if your faith is as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be moved, and it will move. God honors faith. He's just looking for that seed of faith in each one of us that is willing to say to him, let it be according to your word. Let me just finish with this. You know, Mary didn't have a pregnancy test. (laughs) Just throwing it out there. 
I don't quite understand at what point she would have known she was pregnant. But by the time she gets to Elizabeth, her cousin, only a few days have passed. She didn't have a pregnancy test. She was told by an angel that she was going to give birth to the Son of the Most High. And her willingness was not only to accept that word, but to walk in the truth of it. I want to encourage each one of us. Number one, let's make space for the Holy Spirit to surprise us. Ask him, God, will you come and surprise me with your presence? Because I think he enjoys doing it, actually. And my experience is he catches you out when you least expect it. But that's a good thing. Let him surprise you with his presence. And all that takes is just a willingness to say, here I am. Yeah. Will you come and speak? Will you come and reveal your plans? Will you come and just tell me something that I don't know about what's going on in the world that you love so much that Jesus came to it? Will you surprise me with your presence? And then, trust him that he's going to use you this Christmas time. Allow that seed of faith that you and I can bring the message of good news and hope to another person at some point in what we say, in what we do, will make the difference in their life. Have that faith to trust that God will use you. And the third thing, just keep praising. Hear the angel's words, rejoice. And as Mary sang, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Let's stand together. Let's just uh, take a, a, a moment, uh, just a little bit of quiet, where we give this time to God now. And ask Him for a word, for an encouragement, for a sign, for a message of hope. He is a loving Father. He loves us. I don't think there's ever been a time when one of our, my daughters, San or Emmy, who's, who's come to me asking for a hug, where I've not given them a hug. Yeah. And with all my failings and kind of things that are messed up, you know, if I can do something like that, how much more does God, the Father, who is perfect, 
want to bless, want to wrap his arms around us and just tell us the simplicity of how much he loves us. Just let him do that now. Father, I thank you that already that you are speaking into our hearts and minds. Thank you that already you're revealing plans and purposes. I thank you, Lord, that as we go from here, that you will continue to do that. I thank you, Father, that for the way that you will surprise us with your presence at different points, whether it's during the day or at nighttime, whether it's walking uh, on the beach or, or just sitting quietly or in the car. I thank you for the surprises that are coming. And Father, I pray for each one of us that faith will rise up in our hearts. That seed of faith will grow. Lord, whatever it is and wherever we're at, we thank you. You know us all together. You know our heart before you. And I just pray for each one of you that let faith rise up in you. And as that faith rises up, may the heart and the willingness to praise and rejoice in God your Savior to rise up as well. Father, would you, uh, uh, yeah, would you enable us to be more and more people of praise that rejoice to you, with you and in you. Lord, even in the midst of the storm, that we would raise that hallelujah and rejoice in who you are. I thank you that you are our Savior. I thank you that you are our Lord. I thank you for your love and the way that you hold us. And I just thank you for the blessings that you have for us in the days to come. In Jesus' name, amen.